0: Welcome to the Couch Potatoes, I'm Brett McGarry. We've got a big video game movie out in theaters this week, and I've got a review of another video game movie that tells you how they made Tetris. And it was actually pretty exciting. I'm Jeff Braun.
1: We'll also tee up another big movie this week about one of the most popular shoes of all time. And I'll also review Netflix's Murder Mystery 2.
0: I'll also tell you about the now complete first season of a show, that somehow managed to make right what should have gone wrong. And I think I've got a fun surprise for Jeff just before the end of the show. Let's start with that massive movie that's out in theaters this week. It debuted on Wednesday. It should be a gigantic smash all around the world. The Super Mario Brothers movie.
1: Not sure if you know who I am, but I'm about to rule the world. Wow, uh, yay. But there's one problem. There's a human,
0: has a mustache, just like you. Do you think I know every human being with a mustache wearing an identical outfit with a hat with the letter of his first name on it? (laughs) Because I don't. Unlike the live-action stinker from the early 90s, this one's a cartoon based on the legendary video game characters from Nintendo. What else do you need to know?
1: Is coming. Together, we
0: are going to stop that monster. How? Look at us. We're adorable. Chris Pratt is the voice of Mario Anya Taylor-Joy is Princess Peach Charlie Day is Luigi Keegan-Michael Key is Toad Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong and Jack Black is Bowser Not getting the best reviews like the RottenTomatoes.com summary says while it's nowhere near as thrilling as turtle tipping your way to 128 lives that's a solid callback the Super Mario Bros. movie is a colorful albeit thinly plotted animated adventure that has about as many Nintendos as Nintendo. And don't. <laughs> I know it's not getting the best reviews, but even just hearing the theme song like that, given that cinematic treatment, gives me goosebumps. When I first saw this trailer, I lost my mind. You know, Super Mario was a huge part of my youth, of my adolescence, and I still go back and play those video games sometimes. I mean, dude's been around since 1981. That's amazing. And
1: it's amazing that it took till 2023 to make a proper animated movie of this. It feels like 15, 20 years ago, they could have done this sort of thing to some degree. So uh, I I really enjoyed the trailer. I really want to see the kind of world they create with that, like you're talking about. But uh, I'll probably skip it in theaters because we've got a lot of stuff coming down the pike in the next few weeks. But uh, one day, I'm definitely going to check this out. Do you still play the games ever? I never play the game. I would like to play the game when they had the little mini Nintendo thing that a few years ago that they only made... 2000 version copies of or whatever. I was like, come on. I would have absolutely bought that, but I don't. I I do feel like every now and then I feel like I get the phantom pain of the Nintendo thumb again because (laughs) I used to like play till my thumbs, they get sore and then they get numb and you'd have to quit because you couldn't feel if you were pushing the button or not.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, that was bad. So you were a hardcore, but uh, yeah. And I just, when you think of the legacy of this character, like I, I learned Uh, Just this week, I was talking to a guy named Lee at a local video game shop here in Winnipeg called PNP Games. And boy, does he know his video game history. And I can't believe I never knew this, but Mario, his first appearance ever in a video game was in Donkey Kong. He wasn't even called Mario. I think one of his early iterations was simply Jumpman. And the only reason they created this character was because Nintendo tried and failed to secure the rights to use Popeye. That's as the character.
1: That's bizarre. Imagine if it was, they had got Popeye and this would be what, Super Popeye Brothers or something like that. And every time you tried to Google it, you'd get the chicken place and it would be like, it would just be chaos.
0: Yeah. No <laughs> kidding though. The entire landscape of all video games would be vastly different today and Mario remains the flagship their games the Mario's games are always amongst the most popular so i think this movie is going to be huge the animation looks terrific i can't wait to see what the, it looks like when they're riding their carts on rainbow road i might go see this on the big screen i'm not entirely sure but uh it looks like a, regardless of what the critics say this movie is going to be a big big hit and another movie out this weekend that hopefully will be a
1: big hit and one i think i definitely will go see it's a uh, it's a The story of how nike created one of the most popular shoes of all time the air jordans and the movie is called air starring matt damon and ben affleck
0: 1984 has been a tough year our sales are down our growth is down sonny
1: i brought you in here to grow the basketball business
0: people don't know what the hell a nike is what's a converse
1: nba all-star shoe
0: there's nothing cool about nike
1: You would have to have a pretty compelling pitch. I can tell them the one thing the other companies can't compete with.
0: Our basketball division is terrible. I do not love it. This is where you come up with a brilliant idea that no one else can see. Let's hear it. I got it. I found him. Who's that?
1: Jesus. Can't afford it. I'm willing to bet my career on one guy. What's the plan? We build a shoe line around just him. I need the greatest basketball shoe that's ever been made.
0: Who's the player?
1: Michael Jordan. so, between Air Jordan in the 80s and Super Mario Brothers in the 80s, it's a hardcore 80s in the sale to weekend at the theaters this week, apparently. That just dawned on me when the guy in the clip said 1984. Uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck co wrote Air with another guy, and they star in it. And Affleck is the director as well. Of course, they had great success working together 25 years ago with Goodwill Hunting. We'll get to that in a minute. And a little less success more recently with The Duel, which was a very good movie, but not a big hit. They might garner a little more interest not uh, being a medieval period piece this movie so the cast also includes jason bateman viola davis who plays uh, michael jordan's mom actually chris messina and chris tucker air is in theaters right now you
0: got a name for it air jordan i don't know seriously maybe
1: it'll grow on me Air is getting great reviews. It's at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes and that's with over 100 reviews in so that's a legit number. Uh, It was exciting to see Matt and Ben back together in the duel a couple of years ago, but this is even more exciting simply because it looks more fun. Matt is the lead. Affleck is a supporting character and it'll be interesting to see how much he's actually in it. He plays uh, Phil Knight, the guy that actually founded Nike, Uh, but you know that's what they do. Their movies that they've written together have starred Damon with Affleck in a smaller role and Although here, like I said, Affleck's a director. He's made some great movies behind the lens, behind the camera. The Town is one of the best heist movies of all time. I watch that once a year or so now. Have you ever seen The Town, Brett?
0: Yeah, I've only seen it once, but I, I should go back yeah, and watch it again. Yeah, because
1: I know you like high stuff. Every time I see it, it's like, ooh, I should tell Brett to rewatch this one because he'll like it. <laughs> Argo, of course, won Affleck uh, the Oscar for Best Picture. His director snub there is still a little irritating. But, of course, he got his first Oscar along with Damon for writing Goodwill Hunting way back in 1997.
0: Do you like apples?
1: Yeah. Well, I got a number. How do you like them, man? <laughs> I rewatched uh, *Good Will Hunting* last night. I hadn't seen it in probably five or six, maybe seven years, and wow, the movie holds up. And now that it's over twenty-five years old, it carries a lot of interesting baggage with it that it didn't have in 1997, and even different baggage than it held in uh, 2007, 10 years after it came out, because in 07, we probably looked at it and thought, you know, ah, Damon's a giant action star now because of the Bourne movies, and both Affleck and Robin Williams, who, of course, in the movie as well, at that point were not in a good place in their careers. Affleck had become kind of a laughing stock after a bunch of just terrible movies, as well as a, list, a ton of crazy uh, tabloid press because of his high-profile relationship with other A-listers, the two Jennifers that he's been married to, of course. And Robin Williams had a string of crappy movies as well. Although he hit that point with a much bigger and more illustrious career on his back, so he was still a big deal, of course, in 07. But I remember thinking then, Affleck is done. We won't hear much from that guy again. And of course, I was very wrong. Affleck has had one of the great uh, Hollywood career resurgences. Even if his Batman movies didn't, you know, crush like we and probably he hoped they would, he's become a terrific director. He can still carry a movie and be a great actor. I'm talking about things like Argo in the Town and Gone Girl and The Way Back. And as far as Robin Williams goes, I mean, obviously, his death colors are in remembrance of him. I mean we don't linger on the movies of his that didn't work like we did before he died and we've just you know we remember all the great movies and performances that he put out there and Goodwill hunting was definitely among them maybe his best performance watching it again was interesting again it's been more than 25 years so there's a lot of nostalgia in that and Matt and Ben are so young in the movie they're in their mid20s at the time we've kind of gone on this journey with them over the years so there's a, an extra exciting element about Goodwill hunting because we're watching them literally plant their flag in Hollywood it wasn't the first movie for either of them, but it is the one that really announced their arrival and put them on the map. All careers have ups and downs and watching them at the beginning of the roller coaster, knowing that this weekend they are again co-storing in a movie that they co-wrote. Just kind of brings you back to that feel-good story from 97 when they first took Hollywood by storm. It's also just a really good movie. It's incredibly strong. They kind of don't make them like that anymore. And it's not just them. Casey Affleck has his small party stealing scenes in the all through Goodwill Hunting. And Cole Hauser, who's now more famous than he's ever been as rip in yellowstone he's great in his small part uh, as a member of their crew and they all crush their boston accents uh it's one of the few boston movies where i like the accents so if you're going to check out air or even if you're not i'd also recommend a goodwill hunting rewatch if you haven't seen it in a while it's streaming almost everywhere you can find it on netflix prime video and crave and plus you probably have the dvd i do i i know i do but i want to watch it in high def so i watch
0: it on crave Thank you for that reminder of a wonderful, wonderful film. It has been years since I watched *Goodwill Hunting. Up next, though, I have a recommendation of something that just came out that turned out to be a lot cooler than I anticipated. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. New on Apple TV Plus this past weekend, a movie about how one of the most popular video games of all time got delivered to the masses. We're talking about Tetris. I played for five minutes... I still see falling blocks in my dreams.
1: It's poetry, art and math, all working in magical synchronicity. It's... It's
0: the perfect game. Tetris? Tetris. 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 I don't get it. So this stars Taryn Edgerton as the guy who discovers Tetris in 1988, who recognizes its brilliance, and risks everything to head to the Soviet Union to try to recruit the game's inventor, to bring the game to everyone. The problem, of course, is it's the Soviet Union. The movie describes itself as a Cold War era thriller on steroids, and it got some pretty decent reviews at 81. percent This is criminal. The
1: Soviet Union is about to implode.
0: They're lying. Everybody's lying. The cavalry is coming. We don't have time. I have a plan. Oh, I see you- Oh, come on. You guys are the kings of cliffhangers. Not the bad. And I would count myself in those with who give Tetris a decent review. Like, I never, never would have expected a movie about a guy trying to secure the rights for a video game. Could have been so much fun, but it is fun, and it's thrilling. The stakes are real. Like, he's dabbling in something in spite of repeated warnings from the Soviets to leave. He and his various people are luckily, lucky that they weren't captured and executed. It also has some nifty little stylistic flourishes here and there, turning some of the action on screen into 8-bit graphics. It can feel random and kind of weird at times, but it's an interesting artistic choice and works relatively well. The music is great throughout, and Taryn Edgerton is great. I mean, you really root for him because the stakes are super real for him, because he first needs to figure out his way through the complicated web that's already been built concerning who has the right for the video game for what, and then he has to get out alive, and then he has to get that money so he can improve the life of his family because if he doesn't get the rights, he stands to lose everything. And good for him for pushing it and going after this game because he was right. One of the biggest, most addictive games of all time. The movie's not an award winner, but it was honestly a really decent movie for a streamer. So I'm going to give Tetris three and a half couch cushions out of five.
1: That looks cool. I think I'd like to, I would like to see that. Now, I was very skeptical. Certainly when they first announced it and even last week when they said it was coming out or whatever, I was like, A movie with Tetris? What the heck? It's weird that that and Mario Brothers is coming out at the same time. It's it's bonkers. Is that the new thing? Every I I can't wait for the Contra movie. Let's just say that. (laughs) That
0: would be if they can figure out how to pull off a Contra movie. That would actually be pretty wild. Yeah.
1: Um. The first full trailer for this summer's Barbie movie came out this week, and it's pretty wild. I wasn't sure what to expect. I don't think anyone really was. Because what's the movie about Barbie? And frankly, I don't really know how to explain it. You kind of got to watch it. The setting is Barbie Land, and it's just see an explosion of pink everything. There is little to no realism in this movie. That we know. All the girls are named Barbie. All the men are named Ken. Hi,
0: Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Uh. Hi, Ken.
1: Hi, Ken. The main Barbie is played by Margot Robbie and the main Ken is played by Ryan Gosling. I thought I might stay over tonight. Why? Because we're girlfriend-boyfriend. To do what? I'm actually not sure because he's got a smooth front but uh, that's not even the dirtiest joke in the trailer there's a bit at the end between Gosling and Simu Liu who plays another Kim that technically we might be able to play on the radio but I'm not sure so we won't but by all means if you have not seen it seek out the Barbie trailer and see for yourself I'm excited for this one I sort of already was because it's directed by Greta Gerwig who's become one of my favorite directors the past few years she made 2017's Lady Bird and 2019's Little Women both of which are masterpieces in my book but watching the trailer and seen the humor they're putting into this and how it really feels like plastic dolls come to life kind of makes me even more excited barbie hits theaters july 21st
0: also a handful of other trailers that we should just mention to you quickly here if you want to check them out we got a First trailer for Extraction 2, starring Chris Hemsworth. That's a follow-up to the action movie that he released a couple of years ago on Netflix. And the action, just like in the action in that first movie was terrific. It wasn't the best movie, but it had great action. And this looks like it promises even more of that. So that's out June 16th on Netflix. Blue Beetle, another new DC superhero movie. And I didn't know what to think when I heard that they were making it, but the trailer looks like a lot of fun. I think this could be fun for uh, for kids. August 18th in theaters. Secret Invasion, the new Marvel show that's coming, that's out June 21st on Disney+, Plus. so we got a new trailer for that. And then Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, June 2nd in theaters. Boy, the animation in this. The animation in the first movie was fantastic, and it looks like they sort of ramp it up uh, to more creative heights in this new one. And that first movie was excellent as well, so I can't wait to see the sequel. Coming up next, Jeff's review of Murder Mystery 2. And I got to tell you about the first season of a show that really blew my mind all the way through, way beyond expectations. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes.
1: Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And the new Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston movie on Netflix that came out this past week was one of the more popular streaming options. Let's talk about Murder Mystery 2. The Maharaj has been kidnapped. And all of you are suspects. We're not going to be invited anywhere ever again. The real detectives have
0: arrived. Wow. You must be the Spitzers. Yes. yes. Your reputation's preceding. There you. you go. Not in a positive way, I'm afraid. OK. OK.
1: Murder Mystery 2 is obviously a sequel to Murder Mystery from 2019. I rewatched that a couple of weeks ago in anticipation of the new movie. And the first one was, as I remembered, a very relaxed, breezy, but quite enjoyable murder mystery comedy. It sort of felt like Sandler thought, "Ah, I'd like to shoot a movie in Europe so I can get paid to spend a couple of months in Europe. And this new movie has a similar vibe with a tropical island location thrown in as well. And that's where we begin. Sandler and Aniston, a.k.a. Nick and Audrey, have quit their day jobs and become professionals private investigators in the wake of the last movie and one day they're invited to a wedding. It's the wedding of the Maharaja one of the few survivors from the first movie he's played brilliantly once again by Adil Akhtar to be the comic relief and steal scenes in a comedy is pretty tough and he does a great job of that in both movies. I've seen him in a few other things over the years and he's always terrific. So they're off to whatever tropical island this guy owns and they're blown away by the opulence and extravagance of the Maharaja's life. We also meet another old friend, the colonel from the first movie at the wedding and we meet some new characters the bride-to-be the sister the ex-fiance the security guard and so forth and then of course there's a murder the night before the wedding as well as the kidnapping we heard about in the clip and we're off after the first act the action kind of shifts to paris for the rest of the movie and indeed, we end up at the Eiffel Tower at one point. After all, it is an Adam Sandler movie. So if you're in Paris, Eiffel Tower, he keeps things simple that way. It's not like the highbrow arthouse workings of the John Wick franchise where they go to Paris and then set up shop at some obscure church I've never heard of. Murder Mystery 2 does what most sequels do or try to do, which is heighten everything. There's definitely more action in this one, like five times as much action and bigger action with more guns and explosions and all that good stuff. There's quite a bit more swearing. It's all minor swearing but there's a lot of it i only pointed out because the first one was kind of popular with families and this one feels a bit much for some of the younger kids i know uh, my girlfriend's nine year old still enjoyed it but my girlfriend could have done without her impressionable ears hearing all the s words and whatnot some of the violence is a little more intense as well although it is often played for laughs i mean on the one hand it is funny but on the other hand it's still you know an axe sticking out of someone's head being a murder mystery there has to be twists and reveals that sort of thing we were trying to guess ahead of time who the killer would be while we were watching it. Kind of got it partially right. It's a, it's a decent story in that regard. I don't think you could totally guess where it's going to go. I think overall it does effectively heighten everything that it tries to, and I think it's more fun than the first one. Again, this isn't, you know, The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2, but they are entertaining movies. They're light watches, which really kind of fit the bill when you're in the mood for something like that. So I do recommend it. Three and a half couch cushions out of five for
0: Murder Mystery 2 out on Netflix. I was, going to, I was thinking of watching Murder Mystery and Murder Mystery 2 this weekend, but I ended up derailed by what is the surprise that oh, I have okay. to reveal to you a little bit later on in the show. But right now I want to talk about one of my favorite shows of all time and how the first season of its reboot actually worked. It worked really well. The theorizing that one could time travel
1: within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. he awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself
0: leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next Leap will be the Leap home. I'll never get sick of that clip. Quantum Leap! It aired for five seasons on NBC starting in 1989. Starring Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell. It's just a ridiculous premise, but it's an all-time classic show. Bakula plays Dr. Sam Beckett, a brilliant scientist working on a top secret time travel project for the government project doesn't quite work the way he expected and he ends up leaping into someone else learning that the only way out is to make right something that went wrong always hoping the next week the next leap would be the leap home but he never made it home it was a wonderful show because it was so hopeful and every week he would drop into someone's life learn who they are find out what needs to be fixed and fix it just average ordinary people was also wonderful because of its simplicity. The only other main supporting character was his guide, Al, who, as you heard, is a hologram to Sam because he's back in the present day, but through this hollow chamber, he can step into Sam's world, so to speak, and he had this little handheld computer named Ziggy that made funny noises when he would smack it. Like, it just should not have worked as a show, but good storytelling won the day. So now we've got this reboot, and it just wrapped up this week on NBC. Your name is Dr. Ben Song. You're from the year 2022. You are the lead physicist on a top secret project called Quantum Leap. You're a time traveler. I'm Addison Augustine. We're... We work together. Obviously, I time travel into other people, so be me up. It's not that simple. You leap into people to help them or someone around them. Changing history for the better. No matter what happens ben, out! I am going to be with you every step of the way until we get you home So in the story, it's been nearly 30 years since Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. And now, a new team, led by physicist Ben Song, who plays Raymond Lee, who was one of the pilots in Top Gun Maverick. Very small role, but he's there in the background. So he's been assembled to restart the the project. And everything changes, though, when Ben makes an unauthorized leap into the past, leaving the team behind to solve the mystery of why he did it. At Ben's side throughout his leaps is, as you heard, is Addison, a decorated Army veteran who appears in the form of a hologram that once again only Ben can see and hear. Herbert Magic Williams, played by Ernie Hudson, helms the highly confidential operation. So they've expanded on the original idea by adding a bigger supporting cast and a story that's happening simultaneously back in the present. Ben knew. That the technology wasn't ready
1: can you hear me why did he leak? find out what he's there to do and bring him home
0: this is a show that i was certain was going to be cancelled but i watched the first episode out of curiosity I was just so skeptical about this I thought it would be horrible I mean yeah some reboots work well like look at that MacGyver reboot that ran for five seasons on Global or the Magnum PI reboot Jeff you like that one how many seasons do we have to
1: do on that Uh, at least four maybe five I've lost count I'm not sure
0: Yeah, yeah so sometimes reboots work I just figured there's no way this could work because it's too silly a premise. Like if they rehash it, then it would be too hokey by today's standards. And if they try to take it in a completely different direction, it would just lack the heart of the original. And yet they did it. It was a perfect combination of both. It was hokey and cheesy and it tugged at your heartstrings thanks to to some good solid emotional storytelling. But it also went in a compelling new direction by expanding that supporting cast and having the simultaneous storyline episode 14 in particular was a standout ben drops in on a navy battleship where the executive officer is addison's dad from when she was just a little kid and bonus that dad was played by brandon routh in the episode So it's always good when Superman shows up. The finale was outstanding as well. Like it had some real twists and turns and a marvelous cliffhanger ending. And it looked like they actually wrote that finale to be a potential series finale, but they got the green light for a second season back in December. So they were able to end it by leaving us hanging. Just overall terrific show, an excellent cast and a really diverse cast. The show on that front gets a little preachy at times. So if you're not into that, just heads up. But, you know, most shows are kind of preachy at times. As long as the stories are good, I don't care. Like, if the preaching doesn't bug me too much if it's not over the top. And season one was a masterclass on how you do a network TV reboot. So again, it's an NBC show. Not sure if it's going to land on streaming anywhere in Canada because that's going to be on Peacock in the United States. But hopefully, you can watch it on demand through your cable for now. It aired on Canada on City TV, and I do see they've got all the episodes on their website. But yeah, Quantum Leap. Can't believe it worked and just worked so well. That's wild. I love it when the- I love it when a plan
1: comes together to. <laughs> you know, quote another 80s TV show that didn't have nearly as good a reboot in the uh. movies anyways. And it's rare like cuz like you said those reboots they don't work that often. I liked the Hawaii 50 when it first started but I trailed off of that pretty quickly uh sticking with the Magnum for now. So I Quantum I never I tried watching the original series three times I tried watching it and I saw the same episode all three times and I was like, "Am I being pranked or something?" How can I every every like few months or a couple of years or something i'd try and tune in it must have been a really good episode that they that would be the one they kept rerunning or whatever but
0: it was do you, weird do you happen to remember what was happening
1: i don't i do remember him staring into a mirror at one point
0: Oh, so, okay. I don't know. He does he that, in every, did that in every episode because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he has to look and see who he's, what yeah, kind yeah, of person yeah. he's in. So
1: that doesn't help at all. No, I don't remember what the rest of the episode was about.
0: And some of the stories that Ben w- jumps into, I mean, it, it would, be, of course, it would, they'd have to be exciting and crazy. Like I said, he lands in this battleship, and there's one where he he jumps into a boxer in the middle of a fight. Oh, that's awesome! Or he lands inside a. a A female, like, he jumps into a few women. That only happened once or twice in the original series, but I think he jumped into at least two or three women in this first season. But he jumps in, like, while he's in court as a lawyer – He's got like documents in his hand and has to figure out what's happening on the spot. He jumps into an astronaut, so there are all kinds of crazy scenarios. So, yeah, it's just a high praise for Quantum Leap. I guess if I'm grading the season overall, I'd say four couch cushions out of five. If I had to nitpick anything, I think they probably didn't need to be the full 18 episodes or whatever it was. They could have dropped it by a couple, but that's network TV for you. In a moment, the big surprise I have for Jeff. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes, and I've been telling you I've got a surprise for Jeff. It's not—it's not that big a deal. It was my birthday
1: last week. Is it an envelope full of cash? No. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, now, now, nothing's gonna make you happy. But I did still want to mention this because there's a pretty good reason for why I watched it this past weekend. I made an unexpected pit stop in my movie hunting journey. There's no inclusion. Let's go. Move.
1: Give me the Pentagon on the line now.
0: Olympus has fallen. Olympus has fallen. Yes. From 2013, the Olympus has fallen. That's right. I Butler went verse. back to your beloved <laughs> Butlerverse, Jeff. <Jim>. Awesome. <laughs> have you never seen it before? Yeah, I yeah. have. Oh. Gerard Butler stars alongside Morgan Freeman and Aaron Eckhart <laughs> in this action thriller, which I've always meant to watch again, and I finally forced myself to because I was scrolling through movies on Netflix. This this came up with the alerts like heads up, last day to watch it is on April seventeenth. Oh, well, on I'm Netflix. Watch that again. You yeah, something to do this weekend. Because who knows where it's going to end up next? It'll probably go yeah, somewhere, but true. I thought, well, it's time to watch it again. Mr. Speaker. You are the acting president.
1: I want to speak for the Russians, the Chinese, the British, and the French. In that order.
0: If you attempt to retake this building, I will execute your commander in chief. Oh my God. We have contact from inside the White House.
1: Identify yourself 309er.
0: So Butler plays former presidential Secret Service guard Mike Banning, who got punted to a desk job. Aaron Eckhart is the president who gets kidnapped. Morgan Freeman has to step in as the Speaker of the House because the White House got taken. Olympus has fallen. So Banning, with his desk job, decides to make his way over to the White House and goes in to take out the trash. This is the same guy that was removed from the president's detail. He is ex-Special Forces.
1: Forty commandos breached the gate, 28 are left. Can we trust him?
0: With all due respect, I'm the best hope you've got. And yes, this movie certainly qualifies in the, oh, that's a diehard in a, you know, category kind of movie. Diehard in the White House. And one of the reasons why I've always wanted to re-watch this is when I went to see it in theaters, I thought, you know, that was was okay. But I do remember it being fun, and really thrilling like the, the when the assault on the white house oh yeah is such an exciting sequence but i was reminded at just how ridiculous and impossible it is like it's one of those things where you got to go okay it's it's okay <laughs> it's just a movie you can enjoy it because the the sequence starts and this isn't really a spoiler it's right in the trailers but the sequence starts with this big gunner plane like a four-propeller massive aircraft comes in and starts blowing everyone away. People on the street they start starts shooting at the White House with these massive Gatling cannons. And the fact that they were not engaged by fighter jets until they've essentially entered DC airspace, like above land, that there's the plane. You have to imagine that plane wouldn't come within a hundred miles, like five hundred miles of no, Washington DC.
1: Certainly not. Probably not ever, and certainly not since nine eleven.
0: Yeah, so the fact that they that, that happened and then they this thing dispatches the fighter jets immediately and it's just it's a ludicrous series of events. But again, it's thrilling. It's so thrilling. But I also remember thinking the first time I watched it, man, the body count for this movie is yeah. high.
1: And the blood, like it's all digital blood. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like you can tell the but it was just like it would have been cost prohibitive to have got that much fake blood in their hand. Like, they would have had a backup, like a swimming pool sized truck <laughs> filled with fake blood for <laughs> all of the body count in that movie. It's insane.
0: Yeah, it's so violent, but you know what? It's still a fun movie. I really enjoyed watching it again, so Olympus Has Fallen, gone from Netflix on April 17th, and I did re-watch as well, also both available on Netflix. I figured I had to complete yes. the Fallen Butlerverse. London Has Fallen, which came out a couple of years later, so that's where all of the world's leaders go for uh, an international event, and then the attackers basically take out half of London, and uh, Angel Has Fallen, which is a situation where he's framed He's that's right he's yeah. back on the presidential detail and he's framed or he was in the presidential detail and London has fallen as well but he's framed in the third one and he has to he's angel so if he has to get him, he has to clear his name, <laughs> and Nick Nolte's in it. So all three yeah. of them, these movies, none of them are great. None of them have good reviews. But guess what? They're fun, turn-your-brain-off movies with some some of the worst dialogue yep. in the history of action movies. And
1: somehow, the least believable part of all these movies is that Gerard Butler's name is Mike Banning. <laughs> Every time someone said it, I laughed because like that sounds for it sounds like a normal name, but just something about the context of it and the look of it in his face, and I was like, that guy's name is not Mike Banning.
0: And that's it. They're they're all fun movies. Check them out. (laughs) April 17th, Last Chance for Olympus has fallen on Netflix. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.